Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Noel Cast. So, Bud, as always, we will thank our friends at Louisiana Hot, Hot Sauce, in particular the good people at Tarpon Cellar Wines. You can go to tarponcellars.com, use the coupon code NOLCAST for 20% off any of their wines, and they are the people that make the NOLCAST possible. So with that, uh, let's jump into it. Let's do that thing, man. I'm excited. Heading up to Tallahassee. For the spring game, my Cover 3 podcast co-host, Danny Connell, as we speculated on uh, last week, is indeed going to be one of the guest coaches for the spring game, 5 p.m. on ACC Network. I got to remember to, uh, almost said TiVo, uh, which shows my age. Uh, <laughs> got to remember to DVR that thing, and it should be should be a really fun time. Hey, Ingram, hit us with a weather report this week. I, I feel like this is going to be fantastic. Looks ideal. This will be the first spring game, unfortunately, that I uh, have had to miss, although Bud will be there representing the Nolcast and many other causes. But it uh, looks like a glorious day. What? Low of 44, high 68 on Saturday. Looks like it'll be a really wonderful North Florida spring day, and uh, I am jealous of not being there. That is, uh, I mean, that that is quarter zip weather, you know? I mean, like, I'm, I'm a big guy, but, like, I, I, I do like, like cold weather a little bit, not freezing cold. I feel like that's borderline quarter zip slash switch to a jacket if you are perhaps on a rooftop like I will be on Friday night with a couple other of our Nolcast uh, Rising Spear donors, man. Uh, some folks stepped up in a big way. Uh, so really pretty cool there. Had, had another guy give uh, give 6000 And um, they were extremely, uh, Rising Spear was extremely impressed by the response to their appearance on Nolcast and uh, risingspear.com they are uh, they're really encouraged by, by the start and uh, the message I got back from Quigley was like look people want to compete and uh, it's very obvious what it takes to compete now so fantastic yeah yeah man good uh, good to be able to partner with those guys they're able to uh, allow us to bring in extra episode per week for the next uh, couple of weeks here as we profile spring and a big thank you uh, to them, and uh, Bud, we won't belabor this point at all, but we uh, just want to thank uh, the listening audience again for their massive uh, support in allowing us to win the best college sports podcast award over at the sportspodcastaward.com uh, virtual award ceremony last week that we were able to take home said award. I don't know this for sure, but it certainly sounded as though uh, our level of support was... Um, you know, significant, and that perhaps we uh we won with some space in between us from some people down in South Florida. So uh, great to win an award. Always great to beat the Hurricanes in anything, and uh, nothing but big uh, championship. Thank you for Bud and I and everybody else that's involved in the Nolcast. Yeah, man. So uh, I wanted to go over some recruiting stuff here uh, to start the show. We really do appreciate everybody helping us to win the best sports podcast award. That's just, I mean. That's that's super dope, you know. And honestly, like, thank you, Ingram, for spearheading that. I, I would not have even entered us. Uh, and he's like, "Dude, I think we can win this." Like, I think we can win this. He's like, "Man, look at our numbers." Like, all right, let's let's do this thing. And y'all came through for us. We really appreciate that. It was over in the UK, bud. That's my uh, that's my native native turf. Couldn't couldn't be losing a ward thrown out of London. So this this is true. Um, all right. So last week uh, we didn't have time to hit this in our Monday show, but. Uh, Last was it Thursday? I think uh, or Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, Goldie Lawrence, who is a kid lives by me uh, down here in Orlando, committed to Florida State. Uh, number sixty nine, nice receiver 
in the country per the 24-7 sports ratings and uh, an 87 grade overall. Uh, solid size, six foot two, you know, like uh, one. Some people are happy about this and some people are kind of, hey, what are you are you filling up in the receiver room too fast? We've got a couple of questions about this, some from the Patreon messaging, patreon.com slash nolcast, a couple of people on social media as well. So I, I figured that I would, I would address it. I know what FSU thinks about this kid. I know what I think about this kid. We are in agreement about the style of play that Goldie Lawrence uh, will bring to the Knowles. I've seen him in person many times. I've you know, seen him in seven on, seen him in games. He is a uh, thicker physical receiver who catches the ball well. Um, you know, he's not one of these 6'2 guys who plays like he's 5'10. He does go up to get it pretty well. He is not fast, right? He's probably not going to run great times, and he's not a huge uh, yards after the catch guy. He is a possession receiver. If you want to know why guys aren't rated higher when they're possession receivers, well, kind of got to be a game breaker and have that real like upside game breaking potential to have those real high, real high ratings. But Florida State, who we discussed, if you go back to our recruiting needs podcast, specifically the one where we talked about the offensive recruiting needs, we said they probably need to take four receivers. And I think one of those receivers will be a transfer. I think this is mostly fine, right? You already have a, a quicker guy. And Vendrevious Jacobs. Now you have a, a possession receiver that fits in with that puzzle piece. And then you go big game hunting, right? Maybe, maybe it's Hakeem Williams. If you can get him, you're not going to get like a, a Brandon Ennis. Maybe it's Brown out of South Florida. But I, I don't know. Like I was surprised if he was the only receiver you were taking. I'd be like, yeah, okay. I'm not, not on board with that. But if you're going to take at least three high school and a transfer, or perhaps if you can pull it off, for high school, um, I think he makes a lot of sense to take. And it wasn't like his offer list is terrible. You know, Florida offered him, Kentucky offered him, et cetera. I'm not telling you, sitting here telling you that, like, hey, this kid is massively underrated. Old Miss offered him. I think, I think Lane Kippen does a pretty good job scouting receivers. You know, granted, maybe not coaching staff stuff since he had turnover at like every single position this offseason, which is a little bit weird. Kentucky, I think, does a pretty good job scouting. They offered him. And, you know, right now, coming off as many you know, poor seasons in a row as you are, that's kind of the pool you're playing in. So, uh, at, at least until uh, until NIL gets gets up and running a little bit more too, um, and you pair you got to pair that with some wins. So, overall, for where you are right now, and where I think you'll probably be this year, I think this is a solid take. Nice pickup. Certainly took words out of my mouth as far as a uh, reflection of where you are in the college football world and the neighborhood that you're living in and a nice, solid pickup. Uh, kid that we mentioned in the previous podcast, one that uh, we seen some nice raw athletic reflections of, although hadn't really seen a whole lot of them actually play. Uh, I believe what you were able to see the 24 quarterback uh, over the weekend. Is that right, bud? You want to yeah, get some uh, ideas of what that commitment looks like? Sure thing. So I, I was able to, to uh, see and speak with Luke Cromenhawk, uh, or Cromenhawk, excuse me, uh, from, shoot, Savannah, my bad, um, at Elite 11, or not Elite 11. God, these camps run together. I, I've been going to so many. At the Under Armour camp uh, here in Orlando. And, you know, ultimately I, I was, uh, I was in, I think the word is intrigued, right? Um, so he is definitely raw, I think, with his quarterback technique, but it's a little bit better than I thought it would be. He throws a nice ball. Like there's some good RPMs on it. It's a spiral. I know we were joking on the Knowles 24 7 message board. People are like, it's a spiral. Like, 
what is this middle school? We're complimenting on somebody on a spiral. Like, look, it's it's quarterbacks in the state of Florida, man. They're they're typically like the, the I feel bad for the receivers down here because the balls of these camps are typically so so poorly thrown. Um, you know, like he wasn't bad. I will say at times, so Jeff Blake is the coach there at Under Armour, and he's a multi-time Pro Bowler who is now the kind of the Under Armour quarterback coach. And I don't know if he's a good quarterback coach or not. He seems to care about the kids and not make it all about himself, which is something I like. And uh, he, he was telling Luke, hey, like you're holding the ball way too low. And and he was. I mean, like I'm not saying you have to be Aaron Rodgers and Cal up here by the ear, but he's definitely below the belt line uh, in some of the dropbacks. And Jeff Blake's like, look, that's going to take it way too long for you to get the ball up. And also, it's just not a secure position to hold the ball in. So you could tell that Luke was trying to implement that when he was going through some of the drills. And I thought that made him, when he was trying to do that, at first, I thought he was a little more robotic. He's almost focusing on like, okay, holding it up. But that makes sense. It's kind of like somebody making a change to their golf swing or or batting stance or whatever, right? So um, he was one of the better quarterbacks there. I can definitely see why they took him. You can certainly see the athleticism of a guy that played both ways at safety and receiver for a state title team, albeit you know not not great competition there in Georgia for for the small classification. And you know I I, I see what they're I see what FSU likes. I'll say like he's not a no doubt stud for me at this point. He's not somebody that if I was doing the grades I wouldn't go throw four stars on right now because I want to see more and there's a lot of development there, but. He's somebody that if I was throwing grades out, I'd be like, yeah, I could, I could see putting like an like an eighty five to eighty seven range on this kid, just because even though there's limited film, we, we've at least seen some flashes of the talent. You know what I mean? Interesting to hear your uh, perspective on being able to uh, look at a kid that we were eager to see uh, what he looked like. Like you said, out of Savannah, uh, in the Jacksonville area, we'll continue to keep an eye on him and continue to try to evaluate as he develops a couple of kids real quickly that they've got coming in for spring. I mean, one of the, uh, I would say bigger targets they have on their board, one of the guys that we immediately said would really make a difference if they were to have traction with and ultimately flirt with putting in their class, Rod Kearney, uh, where do you think they stand with him? You think he'll be there this weekend and uh, is Florida state putting themselves in as good a position possible to get, uh, you know, one of the more talented linemen that they could uh, potentially pair with at this point, kind of where they, they live in the college football world. I, I think so. I mean, I, I think they're, they're in a good spot for Rod Kearney. Obviously, he's picking up interest from other big-time schools as well. But I, I think he's a kid who does value the relationships. He's, an, he's a high academic kid. Atkins has done a nice job recruiting him and his family. I think they've you know, they, they showed him love pretty early in, in the process. I mean, thinking back to what Under Armour Orlando last year, I mean, it was basically around that time that, that they, uh, they got on him that day. Uh, and I think they're doing a really good job. Now, look, they're going to have to go win games. I don't think that they think he's going to pop as a commitment this weekend or anything like that, but I do feel like he is one of those guys due to the relationship they built who you might say, Hey, for a team that's had losing seasons for a lot of years in a row now, uh, and doesn't seem to have much momentum on the recruiting trail with the 2023 class, they're not going to pull that kid. I, I think he is one of the ones you could circle as a potential exception. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. Because of Atkins, mostly. 
You know, they certainly seem to put themselves as good a place as possible. Interesting conversation to be had with Desmond Ricks. Uh, you want to you want to go ahead and have that here? I wouldn't shock me if he popped at some point to FSU. He seems to, you know, be in pretty tight with them right now. As as uh, as shocking as that is, you got to win games, and he's class of twenty twenty four. Now, I, I I do think it's possible he could reclass to twenty twenty three. Um, I had a chance to see this kid in person, and I might have mentioned this on the show. I, I know I mentioned it on, on the Knowles 24 7 message board. Dude, uh, he is just absolute freak show Jalen Ramsey clone. And I don't make that comparison lightly. We have him as the number two player in the whole country, not just in the state, for the class of 2024. I spoke with some guys who do the uh, strength conditioning stuff at IMG, and they were telling me that his stuff on the GPS is uh, not only the best on the team this year, but the best they've ever had, basically. Mm-hmm. So at at IMG, that's a fairly big deal. <laughs> There's been some pretty good athletes go through that school. 6-1 in the quarter, cornerback. Uh, he's originally from Virginia. FSU does have some ties there uh, to Virginia, obviously. They, they had a lot of good DBs uh, come out of that area, actually, in, in the past. They also got EJ Emanuel from up there back in the day. Um, they seem to have done a really good job. No, it's 2024. So I'll take it more seriously as far as him actually playing for FSU. If if he stays in 2024, then obviously FSU's got to win games. If he stays, if he goes to 2023, then I'm like, all right, maybe there's something here. A commitment is not a signature, but hell, like this is sports, right? Isn't that why you're going to get excited? You know, certainly he's going to uh, bring back a lot of comparisons to some previous recruitments. Uh, yeah, if this kid reclassifies, then, you know, let's get ready to uh, proverbial get hurt again. That would be wildly exciting. If he's going to play and stay as a 24 kid, then, you know, I think this will be kept at a distance long enough that uh, there's a whole lot of a whole lot of chapters in the book yet to be written that will determine his recruitment. But uh, you're right. Big kid out of the talented defensive back out of the 757. Nothing new there. Uh, would be fascinating to see Florida State be able to get involved in a player of that quality. And uh, like I said, if he if he turns twenty twenty three, then uh, we'll start paying a whole lot more attention to this, and uh, probably be a name that you hear you know every other every uh, two thirds of uh, or every two or three podcasts for the time being moving forward. For sure, um, I do want to mention two more names here for the spring game. Uh, well, one for the spring game, one not. Uh, one is Wilkie Denod, the uh, defensive end. I think he's a kid who could, but, but somebody was asking me, like, who do you think is the next, next kid to commit to FSU? It wouldn't shock me if it's Denot. Uh, they, have, they have a need there at defensive end. He has a great relationship with, with the staff and with Puchas, and I don't think there's, I feel like, like they could get him. So I um, wanted to mention that one. And then I want to mention one, one more thing here. Uh, one of my favorite kids in the state is named Jakeem Jackson. This is a kid that I've seen for quite a while. Uh, I saw him first last year playing seven on, and I was intrigued. He's at uh, he's at Semi Osceola, right? Um, which is a pretty pretty good school down here, right? It, it's little little country school, but they 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 play they play good ball. They, they've made a couple state title games, but he was a, a receiver for them as a sophomore, and I saw him play some DB in a seven on down here last year. I was like, that's really good. And he's like six, two, you know, 
Then he did pretty well last year at the Under Armour camp, but like not great. And he was still messing around with the receiver. And I'd asked him, it's like, hey, do you have any DB film? Because I saw you play DB at the seven on. You're like, better at DB than you do at receiver. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't have a profile as of May 10th last year. So very like under the radar kid. Obviously, that was following the pandemic season. So anyway, fast forward. He played some, he played some corner this year. Uh, in in high school, Andrew Ivins and I, who does a really good job in the state of Florida and the Southeast for us at twenty four seven, saw him again. He looks really good still. Then uh, we heard through the grapevine that he ran a real good time at Under Armour on Sunday. In addition to, to having a good performance there, and uh, today he picked up Boston College and Tennessee. And Boston College is an offer I is an offer I care about when it comes to the defensive back position. Because I feel like Jeff Halfley, who was an NFL DB coach, is uh, somebody stamping all those offers, right? Also did a pretty nice job recruiting for Ohio State for the, the 18 months he was there before he got the BC head job. Uh, and so they, they went ahead and offered him, uh, Tennessee offered him today. Uh, but Jakeem, uh, and I followed up with him after the camp, and he said, yeah, hey, uh, Michigan State and Florida State also started talking to me. So mm. go. there you go. Uh, I think Jakeem Jackson's a really good player. Um, I think he is better than some of the DBs FSU is recruiting. And I think he's going to blow up. All Six right. two can run very competitive. Name uh, first like put on a board. Yeah. And it's Jakeem with an apostrophe. The other kid I want to bring to, like, I, I know if you're listening to this many, you know, college ball podcasts in the off season, you probably like watching huddle film once in a while. I don't waste everybody's time with this too much because to my knowledge, FSU is not in contact and he doesn't have a great offer list yet. But I don't really know why. He told me Wake Forest is on him. And to me, if Wake Forest is on you, you probably have decent enough grades, right? Local kid to me here in Orlando. 6'1", but he's very long-limbed. His name is Derek Rogers. He's a receiver. And they're going to take a lot of receivers this year. He just makes plays at all the events we go to. I don't know what he ran time-wise when I asked some college coaches to see because Under Armour doesn't put those out publicly. Uh, but like, he just... He's kind of got a little, he's, you know, he's, he's slender, but he's tall. It's kind of like a little Kenny Shaw vibe to him. So hmm. just a name to keep in mind there. Probably not super high on the board at, at this t- you know, point in time, but maybe a little, little down ballot uh, prospect potentially later on. Okay. Yeah, names to file away for our uh, Noel Cast listeners, see what pops up on the other side. For sure. Uh, let me see here. Let's go. You want to go to listener questions? Yeah, man. Let's hit up the listener questions here. Before we do, I want to thank our friends, uh, Chad and Shannon, the dynamic duo, legendary team. <clears throat> Fortunate enough to be able to pair with them. I'm not the only person that uh, now makes that mistake of merging their names. I've heard others do it. <laughs> I had a big chuckle. I have uh, <laughs> metastasized my uh, manipulation of their names, and it's out there now. But anyway. Uh, they've been fantastic for us. Hard to imagine the amount of deals that we've done too for my co-host alone. Immediate response, working with pros. Uh, hard to think that you would find anybody else have a better experience than working with the two that we've been so fortunate to work with for what, three years now. Exactly. I mean, th- those guys do a tremendous job. My home loan and my refi. Shannon hooked me up. Chat's a great guy to work with. Fully endorse them. I mean, I just, I can't recommend them enough. We, we don't, we don't typically recommend products here on the Nolcast that we don't use. So 300 plus Nolcast listeners, 
Can't be wrong. It was the right choice for them. Find out if it's the right choice for you by calling 844-FSU Loan or visiting FSUHomeLoans.com. So our first listener question comes from Tommy. We actually had a couple of longtime listeners DM us about something similar as well. So this is a appropriate subject matter, uh, Tommy, uh, for yourself and others. Tommy writes, for those of us finishing up professional school or undergrad and about to enter the workforce, without much capital, would you all mind doing a bit of analysis regarding boosters or something like Rising Sphere? Is either more or less beneficial to the ultimate goals of the program? Does the donation amount have the same value in one versus the other? Would either the benefit uh, would either benefit more than the other from an immediate donation uh, standpoint? Basically, choosing one or waiting for more money to join the other. Obviously, ultimately, my plan is to do both, but just hoping uh, to get a little bit more insight to make wise financial decisions in the meantime. So, Tommy, like I said, we had a couple other people inquire with similar. Uh, questions, a good one, but what's your immediate response there? So I, I really think that Tommy's on the right page that supporting both is probably optimal. Um, so they, they both have certain goals that are, that are going on right now. Obviously rising spears trying to get off the ground and while it can't be a recruiting inducement, those guys aren't on the show right now. So we can, we can say, hello, it's clearly everybody uses it for recruiting inducement. And although you can't offer a recruiter contract, you need to be able to have good deals with current players, even if some of those players aren't that good, to say, hey, look what we got for projected fifth-round safety or defensive tackle who didn't go pro. Hypothetically here, of course, right? Because I don't think they've announced what those deals were for, uh, for Jamie and Fabian and those dudes. But I think Jamie did put out on his, uh, on his Twitter that he's a you know, rising spear uh, ambassador. Clearly, like they, they need to get that set up. They need to give good enough deals where you can say, hey, look what we did for this fifth rounder. We think you're a first rounder. Look what potentially could happen for a first rounder. For the booster side, they're trying to finish the football-only facility and make sure that gets built on time. And they also have the long-term goal of, end- of endowing all the scholarships, which is something we've spoken about many times on this show. Uh, most people don't realize, I would say, Noel Castle listeners do, but I mean, shoot, if you take away the Nolcast listeners per episode, you still got about 55,000 people in Doe Campbell Stadium who don't listen to us. So, you know, um, there's a lot of people who don't realize like FSU scholarships are not fully endowed, which means they have to come out of pocket every year from the booster donations to pay the scholarships. At a school like what UVA is probably fully endowed, a lot of the SEC schools are. They're, they're paying for those scholarships off the endowment, right? That's another goal. So, like, there's really, there's not a wrong answer here. You know, I I do think if you're listening to a podcast about Florida State football six, seven times a month in the off season, you, you probably should examine and say, hey, should I donate to the Boosters or Rising Spear or both? And and do so. I think the perks for, for Rising Spear right now are pretty cool, like, to start out. I'm, I'm fairly certain in the future, like, Will they be able to have every single person at the $250 a month donation level come to like private parties? I don't know. They probably have to space that out a little bit, but this is sort of like a get in on the ground floor opportunity, right? So that would be my thought. If you want uh, every dollar that you put in there to go towards 
your intended subject, then I would do Rising Sphere. If you want your relationships more to be that you support the school and you want to look back in 25 years and say that you've supported the school for a quarter century, then I'd give to the boosters. That'd just be my kind of feedback on if you find yourself fall into either of those spheres, uh, that that might, might help to delineate as to where you're going with your gift. All right, who do we got next here? Okay, let's see here. Next question is, uh, Stacy asked, did you guys catch the story on CBS where they interviewed the Miami booster that was set aside millions of dollars to pay athletes? They are doing commercials for some obscure app that he started. The news story goes on to say that the app has a rather minuscule amount of subscribers. And then he asks, what? Can, uh, can we keep up in the new era? Yeah, yeah. Can um, we keep up in this new era? Well, I think that's TBD, right? Certainly, they're they're trying, and they're. I think if Miami can do it, Florida State can do it. You know, Florida State has a lot more fans than Miami does, and a lot more graduates. I don't know if they have the same number of billionaires, and billionaires are good. Like that's that. I mean, for college football, I think you can maybe argue how good they are for other things, but um, you know, for college football, they're very helpful. So, can you keep up? I think it's. The answer is yes. Are you keeping up right now? No. I think that's why those guys started Rising Spear to say, hey, like, we need to bridge this gap and make sure we are up to speed when, when all these schools really get cranking with this. The uh, undertenor of that question kind of asked about the legitimacy and longevity of Miami's uh, support. And I am uh, curious as to that as well, but that's something we'll have to see play out over the next couple of years. And, um, you know, how, how those unlimited funds really make themselves available. All right. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to St. Pete Knoll. St. Pete Knoll asks, uh, with Miami seeming to once again be a major factor in recruiting again in South Florida with the bolstered recruiting staff, commitment to program and impressive hires at position coach, uh, and with recent failures down South recruiting, do you think it would be wise for the staff to turn its attention more to the Panhandle and Tampa to Orlando uh, portion of the state. South Florida is where you go to acquire the elite talent, but I do not see the staffing able to compete with the big boys in Bama, UGA, et cetera. Uh, now with Miami once again as a player. Thoughts? There's not enough talent up here to get you where you need to go. You absolutely have to keep trying to recruit South Florida. You can't just seed it. At, at no point when FSU has been good, and I talk about great, but just good, have they been like, yeah, like we don't need South Florida stuff right now. You have to try. If you don't succeed, you will get fired eventually. And the next guy to come in will also have to try. And if he doesn't succeed, he'll get the can. So that's just how this goes. Part of the great thing is of the Florida State jobs that you're, is that you're a state school. You're in the state of Florida. What, what makes that great is all the talent in the state. And it's not in the panhandle. I understand what St. Pete Knoll is saying, but you have to try. If you don't try, there's no point. Like, what, what, if, Dev, what if Desmond Rex pops to them? I totally understand the argument, like, hey, are they really going to sign this kid? I mean, getting him to commit is cool publicity, but are they actually going to get him? I, I get what you're saying there, but you're, you're not going to turn him down, right? You, you, you have to keep trying to recruit South Florida. Right. I, I don't think there's really... I get what he's saying here, but I, I don't think it's a viable uh, idea. 
Next two questions come from Jeff and Chandler. They're both uh, fairly similar and have to do with the situation uh, of the recent uh, women's soccer coach, Mark uh, Kokorian, stepping down. Uh, Jeff says, if rumors are true, Kokorian stepped down because of some sort of tension or conflict within the AD's office. Does that boot well long term for Alfred? And does the strengthening or and does that strengthen or weaken Norbell's chance to stay long term? Well, what have you heard on on, on the Korean things? I've heard some different things. Yeah, there's some different line out there. I mean, I certainly think that um, there was some sort of situation that went south. I mean, leaving via Gmail points to that. Uh, I will say, as someone that's gone through this process a little bit recently, it's rare that you leave a job that you've been at for 10, 15, 17 years without like some sort of process. Normally, that's a six, eight, 12 month decision that kind of comes about. Rarely is it just a, I'm mad, so I'm going to fire off an email type thing. One, I think, is a fan base. We need to be careful about not like lionizing uh, Alfred and turning him into some kind of like, you know, crazy effective athletic director. Certainly that's something that we hope he'll turn into. Um, and at the same time, I'll tell you that I know that um, with soccer and what I would call most of the high profile Olympic sports, uh, it was pretty contentious and perhaps even toxic at the end of, uh, of Coburn's regime there. So I, I, you know, I think there's been some challenging times within the athletic program for a while now, and it wouldn't surprise me if it didn't, you know, boil over most recently with Alfred and what would appear to perhaps be some, uh, tightening of the belt when it comes to some budget issues. I agree with that. And I also think that Alfred understands which sports bring prestige and which sports actually bring money and donations in fans. And that sport is football. And for a very select few boosters, basketball and baseball. And that's really pretty much it. It's cool that Florida State plays all these Olympic sports and it plays them at a high level. But it is a hindrance to playing football at the highest level with the, with, with the current amount of money that, that football to be played at the highest level requires. Look at the fan base. Have you seen a whole lot of people mad about Gregorian leaving? There's certainly pockets. Um, but Still, though? Is, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. It's, it's a week, and I haven't seen any new tweets about it in, in our, our mentions. I feel like people are like, oh, that was weird. That sucks. Back to the spring game. Yeah. Most people don't care. They just don't. You know, like like certain people care, and it's awesome that they do for them. But I do think that the athletic department, if it wants to succeed, has to f- focus on the sport that people actually care about. Like what Clemson does. I'm sure we'll get some hate mail for that. There's certainly a Clemson model out there. Yeah. Well, the most uh, negative response that I've ever gotten to do in this podcast is when four years ago or so, I've told you about this, but numerous times when I talked to that uh, syndicated radio show out of Mississippi and I went and looked at uh, like the SEC West baseball facilities. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it is hard to foresee Florida state being really competitive in that sport based off what other people have now, you know, the facilities aren't everything, blah, blah, blah. But, um, 
the SEC, I would say baseball and the SEC West is the first like wild outshoot that some of this SEC money has kind of poured itself into. And obviously it's making its way through uh, women's athletics and everything else right now. But yeah, it, it'll just be very interesting. You've got to pick and fight. You choose where you want to be competitive. You certainly reference the Clemson model there uh, that I think Florida State's probably moving more towards. And uh, we'll see what that looks like. And it's going to be some tough decisions have to be made tied to it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I'm also curious, like, do we still see the spending in the sports that nobody watches? If as, at some point they're like, hey, we're going to stop pretending that, that, that like we operate at a loss. We're going to stop having these crazy spin downs to show that we don't make any money um, if we have to actually have to start like paying our players. I think a lot of that like crazy spending in the Olympic sports would, would be shut down with the quickness if that happens. Mm-hmm. One person who would always tell you to look in the mirror and make sure there's not any crazy spending going on is Matt Lewis. Matt and his team at Congruity have been fantastic for our small little humble business, and we certainly think they would be for you as well. Matt is a great uh, partner, great team player. I've loved working with Matt, interact with him fairly frequently as we try to help him, uh, and he tries to help us. But uh, if you want a partner, if you want somebody to take a look at your business, see where you may be able to save a little money, bit of money, money where you may be able to run at a more optimal level. Uh, Matt Lewis has been a great partner for us, as we're fond of saying, and he would be for you as well. You can go to congruityhr.com's website or Knowles at congruityhr if you wish to email. As always, I am happy to put you in touch with Matt directly if you wish for a third-party introduction. All right, let's keep this going and chop it up. Uh... Oh, by the way, the second part of Jeff's question, I do not think that the tension between Kerkorian and Alfred has anything to do with the relationship that Alfred and Mike Norvell have. And I do not think that Kerkorian uh, stepping down is going to put Alfred's job in jeopardy at all. I really, I could be wrong on that. I don't think I am. We'll see. I just don't think that's that high of a priority if your job is to run the athletic department. All right. Uh, Chandler says uh, he wants to know more about the stepping down uh, of Kerkorian. We kind of grouped those two together. I think we've answered that. I agree. I've had to do that as a manager before too, right? Like somebody who works for you does a really good job with the product and they're like, look at this. I'm like, that's awesome. But like the company's focus has shifted. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. We're not, we're not like, we're like, we're not going to, it sucks that you did a great job of that, but it's just not something that we're going to take forward as a product with the company. So, you know, it's, it's difficult. You got to make choices. All right. Uh, Justin says, uh, looks to me like we are hiring recruiting coordinators and not enough shadow coaching staff with the NIL shift in recruiting is to focus less on coaching and more on relationships with recruits. seems like college football may not be aligned with preparing players to play on Sundays going forward. There's a there's a lot going on here with this question. I don't think that FSU is light on analysts. They actually have quite a few now. Norvell's staff is bigger than it has ever been. Um, I just think that the guys on the recruiting side get more fanfare because people instantly think, oh, they know, like they have connections to this area. Like when they hired Kewan Ratliff, right? It'd be like, oh, they'll they'll do better in Orlando. 
you know, he coached the Rat Pack, which is one of the biggest seven-on teams in the state, which is you know now kind of loosely affiliated with like certified dogs. So, you know, I mean, it, it's I don't think that they're like I kind of reject the premise of Justin's question. I really appreciate him asking and being a Patreon member, but I don't think that they are light on shadow staff. I do think though that I actually thought about this the other day. I wonder if we don't see a shift back to the importance of coaching in the coaching hires, if someday NIL gets real big and it's just basically, it'll probably, like if it gets really big, it'll probably just be brought in house at some point with the schools doing it. And so you won't really have to recruit anymore in the same sense. You're going to have your guys on the, the recruiting side handle the signing and the salary cap and all that kind of stuff. Like in the NFL, those coaches don't need to know a whole lot about talent identification and, and they need to know about development and coaching fundamentals and schematics. So I don't know. I think we're a long way off from that. Certainly recruiting is still a huge part of any coach's job uh, right now, especially because you only have nine guys you can go out on the road with you anyway. Just kind of my kind of my take there on that. It's an interesting question. I don't think that college football is less aligned with the NFL. In fact, I think it's probably more aligned than ever because the NFL is doing a better job of taking what it does and matching it up to what college does. You know, back in the past, you had all these great teams in the 80s running the option. And the NFL sure as hell wasn't running the option. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, in the 90s, you had the air raid offense you know, really, really, really come to pass in the early 2000s. And a lot of those quarterbacks struggled in the NFL because the NFL was still asking to do under center, you know, three-step, West Coast type stuff. Nowadays, NFL steals from, from college quite a bit, concept-wise. And I think the transition, as far as what you're running, maybe not the defensive reads, but as far as what you're running, has probably never been easier. All right, what do we have? One or two more questions here left. Uh, uh, yeah, we've got two left. I think that'll be good. I'll let you take Logan's question, bud. It's uh, kind of more right up your alley. Let's see here. Uh, Connor asks, it seems like staff has better traction with elite 2024 recruits. In 2023 recruits, any reason to that, or is that just looking at a draw? I, I got a reason, but FSU fans are not going to like it. 2024 recruits really aren't close to making a decision. It's easier for them to say nice things about a program. And some schools aren't showing a lot of love to 2024 kids right now because they can they can be afford to be picky and wait. FSU is trying to build those relationships so that they pay off in case they end up being good. 2023 kids are a little more picky about what they say mm-hmm. and where they visit because they're closer to breaking down their process. If you watch the episode uh, that we did on Cover 3, at I don't know, kind of m- the middle of the show, right right after we talked to Arch Manning and the quarterback class and talked to Lincoln Riley, we started talking about like the state of Florida. And the consensus there was from the recruiting folks we had on the show, Miami and Florida have a lot more juice on the trail right now. Kids are talking about Miami and Florida like they were talking about FSU last year, pre you know, preseason wise. Like FSU had a lot of juice last summer. This summer they don't. They just they they don't like the new car smell for Norvell and staff has kind of worn off. They have to win some games and show some proof of concept. Otherwise, the signing class is not going to be very good. Twenty four kids. A lot of them are just happy that like they're getting love shown to them, mm-hmm. and right. FSU certainly. Like to their credit, they put in a lot of work on these relationships. Like they have to, because they don't have much to sell right now on the field. So 
A lot of that is kind of beyond their control, but some of it's not. I would say that's why. 23 kids are more serious about their recruitment because they're much closer to making their decision. 24 kids are going to say nice things about almost everybody. They're a long way off from signing the paper. Fair enough. Uh, you want to look at the number question? We'll uh, wrap it up from there. Yeah, let's go ahead and do this. Kind of cool. So Logan writes, fun with numbers. Nolcast show on April 7th and the paint scheme for the number 47 NASCAR race car uh, this weekend was just revealed and it is sponsored by Louisiana Hot Sauce. Are you guys familiar with them? I think you might be. <laughs> paint scheme should be here. Hopefully links to the right spot on the webpage. Otherwise, scroll until you see the number 47 paint scheme. The car numbers are in order. That's pretty cool. Can we put that on the YouTube show? Let's see here. All right, look at that right there. Boom. Okay. Nice. I am, uh, I'm liking that. So he writes, uh, to play along with these numbers, what stat you follow closely and see as a reliable indicator of success, would you be happy if FSU finishes 47th in the country next year? So let's, let's pick a stat that we think it would be good if FSU finished 47th in the country. You got, you got anything off the top of your head? Offensive production out of the quarterback. Okay. I like it. Like p- passing yards or what, what are you thinking here? Total. I'll give him. All right. Need to give like Jordan that. his legs too. I can see that. Um, I think we'll load up. I was thinking like passing down success rate, throwing the football. Like if they're converting more second and eight, third and five plus situations, actually throwing it. Mm-hmm. That's a big step forward. So last year, and hell, like even including Jordan's legs, whatever, I don't care. Last year, they were 75th in the country in passing down success rate. If they get to 47th, I think they'll be pretty, pretty damn good. I'm not saying they're going to get to 47th. I think that if they do get to 47th, I would take that and run because I always trust Mike Norvell's offense to hit explosive plays. He's going to scheme up enough of those. Mm-hmm. This is sort of that can you stay on the field even when first and second down don't go great for you? Stats. If you you get that the 47th, I'm feeling pretty good. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I think 3,500 yards would have gotten you to 50th last year, uh, total somewhere okay. in that area. Jordan had, I think, 21 uh, all, all put together last year, obviously dealt with some injuries. So, yeah, if you can, if you can flirt with top 50 from the offensive production and the quarterback, then, uh, We'll be we'll be having a whole different conversation when it comes to potential uh, record and what this offense looks like. So nice, different awesome. question. Enjoyed that. Enjoyed that. That was fun. I'll, Something I, different. I, I love our Patreon questions. They're they're really really fun. You got anything else tonight? I think that's it, man. Look forward to uh, hearing your thoughts down from the weekend, and we'll be back with a couple of shows next week, as is my understanding. Look forward to that as always. Thank you to the the sponsors. Thank you to the listeners. Uh, thank you to our Patreons. If you give a chance to give us five star review, even as uh, the best college sports podcast, we're still soliciting for your reviews, support, anything you can do for the podcast is greatly appreciated by Bud and I. And uh, we'll be back here in the next couple of days with another Nolcast. All right. I'll see you, buddy. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith. Music by Judson Wright and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.